Welcome to another episode of Ask Danny. Well, I tell you, over the years, I have been asked thousands of home improvement questions. So each week here on Ask Danny, I'll bring in one of my expert friends and we'll tackle some of your questions, share a few tips, and also tell you a few entertaining stories to help you out with your project. So remember, next time you have a question, Ask Danny. My guest this week is Billy Allen. He's the owner and operator of Top Notch Tree Care, which uh, services a fairly large area in southwest Alabama. All kinds of services from pruning to um, removal of certain trees and also really talking about how to keep a tree and shrubs nice and healthy. He's also a certified arborist, certified urban forester, and certified landscape professional, and an all-around pretty good guy. Billy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Hey, man, when we were walking around my house the other day, day. I learned so much. That was so good the way, because I, I got some problems in my yard. I thought, you know, okay, I built this new house two or three years ago and tried to take care of the trees that I was able to leave, but maybe I made a few mistakes along the way. But it is so very refreshing to talk to someone like you that can really explain um, trees, and I know we live here in South Alabama, but you know your your experience is all over the all over the country. But when when a homeowner is looking, trying to be pro- proactive and really trying to take care of their yard, um, when is the best time in most areas of the country to plant new trees? That's a, a lot to do with. Uh, it's important. It's um, expensive. But when is the ideal time in a particular area to plant a tree? Yes, sir. Yes. So uh, the overwhelming majority of time it's going to be as they go into dormancy, right? So that's going to be late fall, maybe early winter. And the reason is because when you're planting, typically that's containerized or maybe even something that's been, you know, spaded, uh, bald and burlap, you're going to lose a lot of roots. Mm -hmm. And so you want the heat stress on the plant to be low, as Mm -hmm. low as you can. And so no matter how much water you pour to it. That's right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, if, if it can't pull it up, it doesn't matter how much you're watering it, right? So, right, right. Um, with the exception would be, and of course, this is, you know, in our area, but, you know, citrus trees, mm-hmm. you want to kind of plant those after the last frost in the springtime. Oh, I see. Because, you know, a good freeze uh, can can be detrimental to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, early, early spring for citrus and then uh, late fall, early winter for pretty much everything else. And people really need to do their research when they're planting trees. You know, I see so many people that, especially these, seems like some of the commercial landscapers and they're rushing to get that thing done real quick. Um, and I'm seeing these holes are digging and it's just nothing but clay. Yeah. Um, and I know you can't replace all of the dirt everywhere, but what are some of the general guidelines when you're planting a tree that you just have to do? So the, what, the biggest problem I see is planting depth. Deeper is not better. And the way I try to explain that to people is, you know, who plants a tree in the forest? The answer is nobody, <laughs> right? A seed falls on top of the ground. It's not That's a planted, good point. That's a good right? Point. And then, you know, organic material covers it up, and then it sprouts. So, uh, you know, planting depth, you want the topmost root of that plant, whether it's a tree or shrub, to be at or just above grade, mm-hmm. okay? And then you, what you try to do, especially if you have a lot of clay, Try to incorporate something into that soil to mitigate, you know, that um, that very fine material, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to try to till out, say, three to four times out beyond the size of the um, the area that you're planting, meaning mm-hmm. the, the size of the root ball, and kind of prepare that soil so that those roots, it's more advantageous for them to get out outside that root ball into the surrounding soil. 
But still, I, I would assume we, we talk a lot about turf management, talk a lot about planting um, sod and so forth and how critical it is to get that soil test. I guess not a bad idea if you're making a significant investment in planting trees is to do that same thing to make sure that pH level is pretty close to what you need. Absolutely, yeah. So you want to, and then you can do that. Most extension offices handle that. That's you know going to mm-hmm. be in, in, in most areas. I know here we have one. And you, it's real simple, and you can go out there. They have a, a little box that you fill with dirt and directions on how you do it. Okay. Take it back to them. They send it, at, in, in our case here in Alabama, it's to Auburn University. Mm-hmm. They test it there and then send it back and tell you, you know, what you got. And then, of course, you're going to fill out, you know, what you're planting, what, what uh, either grass or, or tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they'll tell you if the what you need to do to make the soil better or, you know, if it's fine, then they'll tell you if it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the thing that takes that guesswork out of it because you never know. I was sharing with you on my, you know, fairly small piece of property how the um, the soil test, I did six different soil tests. Three of them were almost exactly the same. One was just completely way lower on the pH than I expected. So you just never know. You can't say, okay, my, you know, I'd plant, I'll take one soil sample right here and it's just, it's going to read what I have throughout the whole property. You really have to think about that exact location where it is because you never know what someone's done in the past, whether that was a, a mulch pile or whether it was a, an old foundation area. You just never know what is contained in that soil. So um, I agree with you on that. That's what yeah, so yeah we, we had an instance where um, uh, the uh, Mobile Botanical Gardens in their camellia uh, area mm-hmm. wanted to redo a road, and one of the guys wanted to use li- uh, limestone to do it, which, you know, lime raises the pH. Camellias are very acid-loving plants, uh-huh. and so... You know, things like that you have to consider for sure. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And if you do have to add lime, something's surprising to me, that's still pretty inexpensive. It is. You it know, is. I mean, I hope they don't uh, start jacking that up because I know <laughs> I know a lot of people when they have that uh, pH of um, 5 or 5.56, that kind of thing, that's the first thing you need to do is to, right. to really pour that agricultural lime in there. Okay, what about um, pruning trees? There's cer- pruning trees or shrubs uh, to that. Is, is that still something after the first? frost? Can it be done during the winter? Can it be done all year long? What's kind of a general, a few general rules on proper pruning tips? Yes, sir. So uh, first thing is, you know, you can prune any time of year as long as you're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big, big point because I see a lot of incorrect pruning, whether it's a crepe myrtle or an azalea or a live oak tree, whatever the case, you know, but making the cuts at the right spot, um, you know, and doing meaning not defoliating the plant more than what should be done in a growing season. All of those things should be considered. And, you know, if you do that, then you can really prune 365. Um, You know, if you're going to do very aggressive pruning, like, you know, some people really... Uh, get get aggressive with crepe myrtles for one. Yeah, uh, you know that. The, the, what do you call it? The crepe myrtles. Crepe myrtles. I don't call it that, but that's what it's been called. But uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that needs to be definitely during dormancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so flowering plants. You know, there's so many little things that you have to consider. But there's a thing called the May rule. Uh, you know, so if your plants are blooming before May, you prune them just after bloom. Okay, so that would be like a camellia or an azalea, uh, you know, things that bloom after May, you prune them during dormancy. And so that's a simple, like with ornamentals, something to kind of remember. 
Now, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about on today's homeowner is how, you know, the internet, yes, there's a plethora of information out there, but you can start kind of trying to find an answer to one question. And the more you dig, the more confusing you can get. And I'll tell you one incident that that very thing is if you're cutting a tree limb, that exposed area, do you coat over it with something? You, you see these products that are tarry kind of uh, consistency that you put over that to seal out insects and that kind of thing. Then you'll see another article saying, absolutely not, never do that. Where does Billy um, lie on that uh, kind of opinion? Well, so uh, I always try to align my thoughts with what the standard tells us to do, right? Mm-hmm, so the sure. ANSI standard tells us that you don't put sealant on a on a pruning cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, my dad, when I was learning the fish, he said, son, there's lures to catch fish and lures to catch fishermen. So, <laughs> so pruning wound paint is lures to catch fishermen. It's, it's, you know, it really does not, all of the healing properties in that tree uh, occur inside, uh, you know, chemically. The, mm-hmm. the, the tree is actually walling off uh, that area of dead tissue and keeping that decay confined or trying to keep it confined to that particular area. Mm-hmm. And so what you do to the outside really has no bearing. Mm-hmm. Um, the standard used to be to paint them, mm-hmm. and, but then they found, you know, more science that, that doesn't help than and now you don't. Right, right. Okay. That's a gr- good example of, of where an opinion like somebody like you that have been around a long time is extremely uh, beneficial. Now, if you're walking around and you start looking at your neighbor's trees or shrubs and they're looking pretty good and then you look at yours and maybe there's one or two that has a problem with it there. One of the things that you shared with me the other day at my yard where I have a few shrubs here and there, there's no real science to it you're saying most likely that went back to the actual planting. And, you know, I thought about that. And, I mean, of course, we planted about 60 or 70 of these plants at the same time. I would imagine that uh, we all got a little slack here and there. And that's really the case with uh, whether it's shrubs or um, plants planting too close to sidewalks or whatever. A lot to do with taking your time and planting that right so that you'll have success with the growth of that plant. Yeah, I mean, it it really... It has a lot to do with the initial establishment of the plant, right? How that plant grows and thrives, uh, you know, from the initial installment forward, it has everything to do with the initial, you know, how you plant it and uh, how the soil is prepped, just the whole nine on that. Mm-hmm. And it, it really matters a lot. Now, what do you see is probably the most common problem with trees is in, just in general, trees that are have failing health. Is it is it that installation originally, or do you find too much water, too little water, or the darn insects that are just everywhere, and every time I turn around, there's a new insect out there, it seems like. What, what is really the one thing that you see more common than others in a, in a tree that just doesn't look good? Yes, sir. So, you know, concerning tree health, I would say the number one thing that I see is root damage. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, especially when we're talking about mature trees, whether that's, um, you know, compaction or cutting of roots or grade changes or changes in the direction of the flow of water, mm-hmm. um, all of those uh, things will negatively impact a tree. And so, you know, commonly we get asked here because we have a lot of big trees down major thoroughfares, well, hey, that one's looking okay. Well, you know, if I want to build my house here, how 
you know what because the reason is those weren't they didn't cut the roads in after those trees were big those trees were planted small and adapted to the environment that they had mm -hmm. and so mature trees are a lot a lot less tolerant than smaller trees when you're talking about um, caring for their roots uh, so on and so forth and mm -hmm. so yeah if I, there's a lot of things that affect them but you know when I see a tree in decline more times than not, it is because the roots have been damaged to some degree. Mm -hmm. Well, that certainly is obvious what happened to one of my large magnolia trees because, you know, I was trying to get the grade right and, yeah, well, that one little branch there, that one little root, that's not going to matter. Obviously, it did because I have one big dead magnolia tree in my yard right now. But um, how, how careful do you have to be when you're talking about an established plant? Because I know you have the big tap roots that go down. You have the other big roots, but also you have those little fingers right on the top of the soil there. Where do you have to be careful with there? It's subjective, uh, right? And so people ask me all the time, how how much of these roots can I lose and still keep the tree? Well, you know, the answer is I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you if you go an inch beyond this point, the tree's dead. But if you stay an inch here, the tree's going to make it. That's a million-dollar question. Um, the easiest way to explain it is if you can think of a dinner plate. And the dinner plate are all the feeder roots of the tree. And then you think of a wine glass with the stem, and the pedestal of that stem is the structural root plate of that tree. You can lose a lot of the dinner plate, and the tree structurally is still sound. Health-wise, you know, it depends on how much of the dinner plate you lose as to how, you know, how, much, how the tree will survive moving forward. And that is... That is a very difficult question to answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it really, it, that's where I would suggest having someone that's qualified get on site, look at the tree, and be able to give you an assessment because every site's going to be different and every tree is going to be different. Mm -hmm. But save as, you know, my general answer is save as much as you can. Right, right. That makes sense. They're, they're a lot more tender and fragile than you might think. They are. They are. I mean, they're, you know, they're tough. You know, you think of these trees being big, old Mm -hmm. specimens, and they are. I mean, they go through a lot of storms, a lot of lightning strikes. You know, mm -hmm. their roots are sensitive. I mean, sure. I'm just telling you from what I've seen, and, and yeah, if you want to get one going downhill, um, start compromising the root system. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing that I see people do a lot of times, and I know that makes you cringe a little bit, is when you have a tree that's established and you have a grade that's been consistent for many, many years, then you come in and you build a planter or a raised bed around a particular tree. Now the soil is going up on that trunk 12 to 16 inches. I would think that's just going to make that tree grow so well because you got all this nice nourishment there, but that's not the case at all. No, sir. So if you're changing grade, you know, you can elevate, meaning if you're, you know, trying to lower the grade, you would want to keep a an area around the tree that's the same grade as the tree is, you know, accustomed to. Or if you're, you know, raising the grade around the tree, you would want to do something like a tree well. Same thing, where you're keeping the the grade uh, around the base of the tree. You know, this is what it's accustomed to. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely don't want to pile dirt up around the tree uh, in any uh, form. 
And there's some tolerance levels there, and it depends on what kind of soil you're working with. So obviously sand is more coarse, so you can get away with more sand on top of the root field than mm -hmm. you could clay. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about air infiltration down to the feeder roots. Feeder roots have to have oxygen, and if you pile a bunch of dirt on top, you're basically burying them to mm -hmm. where they're going to suffocate, and then the tree will then decline. Yeah. Um, so you want to keep the flare exposed. And when we were looking at yours, you know, it's the first thing I look for is that flare. And a lot of times when I get out there and you see trees that look like a pencil coming out of the ground, <laughs> you know what has happened. They've, right. they've buried them. Mm -hmm. So uh, very important to, to keep that existing grade or as much as you can the same. Mm -hmm. Well, now, certainly in looking back at, um, at my house that I built, I really wish I had gotten you out to look at it. I just didn't think I was really disturbing these things. And of course, I'm glad we're talking now because I think you're going to uh, be able to help me save one of the, the southern live oak trees that's kind of a specimen tree right in my yard there. So I'm hoping uh, all of those remedies will, will work out. But it's not overnight. I mean, it takes no. a while for a tree to start failing, it does. It takes a little while to turn it back around. Yes, sir. So, you know, trees have a tremendous amount of storage. And so, you know, I explain things, try to as simply as I can, because that's kind of the, how my mind works. But mm -hmm. I helped a neighbor cut down a pine tree in the middle of summer. We were able to drop the whole pine tree. Well, it took a month in the heat of the summer before the pine tree started turning brown. Well, it was under severe stress. It had been severed from the root. So think about that you know, with a tree that's only been somewhat compromised. Mm -hmm. right. It's going to take much longer to start exhibiting those symptoms. And so with that said, it's going to take a lot longer to stop the symptoms from being exhibited and then kind of start turning it, you know, in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yes, it does. It does take time. Um, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight, especially when you're talking about, if, you know, there are certain things like... Uh, off color, like yellowing foliage, mm -hmm. if it's just like an iron deficiency, yeah, you can turn that around in a matter of weeks. Oh, but if it's actual dieback where the tree is stressed from, from the root loss, it, it's going to take sometimes years yeah. to start seeing a positive direction. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, if, you know, if, if anybody's listening, you're starting to do some things around your house, even if it's fairly minor, it's certainly worth getting a certified arborist out to really advise you on that. Certainly, if you're in southwest Alabama, you need to call Billy Allen at uh, Top Notch Tree Care. But there's also some a lot of good certified people out there and uh, get some opinions and listen to them. They know what they're talking about. It can certainly save you some heartache down the road. What about a little bit of last tidbit of advice for, for homeowners uh, when they're just thinking about the health of their plants and their trees in their yard uh, as, as a whole? Yeah, so um, what you just said, I mean, I, I obviously I'm a little biased, but there's truly uh, a science behind what we do, right? And mm -hmm. without knowing how to do that, uh, it's impossible to achieve, you know, the proper uh, maintenance or health strategies for your client. And the easy way to do that is uh, there's a website called treesaregood.org, and they have a tab there that you can find a local arborist. You just put in your city or your zip code, and it'll pop up guys in your area um, that you can, you know, call. Um, if someone's telling you they're certified, there's also a tab there that you can verify credentials. So if they're oh. telling you they have some sort of a certification through the International Society of Arboriculture, you can plug in their name and see if they're telling you the truth or not. But it really, it really matters, especially with you're talking about, you know, protecting them, uh, pruning 
is really big because uh, pruning is not just aesthetics. It's also structure. Mm-hmm. And down here, we get a lot of wind. That's right. And, yeah. and it's, it's not that it makes them uh, bulletproof, but it, you know, proper pruning helps from a wind tolerance uh, tremendously. And mm-hmm. you have to know how to do that. Sure, so that's sure. something you have to be trained on how to do. Well, you know, you, you take the, 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 the storms we have, the heavy winds, and then you, then you look into the northeast and some of the areas that are very cold and all of the snow and the ice that's bearing down on those limbs. Oh, yeah. All of those things uh, have to be considered. So there's a little, uh, little bit of maintenance out there in your yard that you might have to do. And certainly glad that uh, Billy Allen could drop by and talk with us a little bit. This has been good. We'll definitely have to do it again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ask Danny. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. So I hope you'll take a moment to leave a review and follow this podcast. I also invite you to visit todayshomeowner.com slash ask where you can send me any photos, ask any question, and let me know what topic you would like to hear more about. So remember, next time you have a question, ask Danny.